Church. Can we just one time give it up for God? All that he's doing here at Faith Church, being able to get out and help people, seeing life change here. Well, it's a great day to be here with you. I just want to welcome everybody again. Thanks for coming out for just a little bit here, spending part of your Sunday with us here at Faith Church. You know, I hope everybody here just had a great, great Thanksgiving holiday. You know, we, around our house, we did have a great Thanksgiving, uh, kind of. Uh, I actually uh, had my wife and my 13-year-old daughter, they actually had the privilege to go down to uh, Disney World during the holidays. And uh, my daughter was part of a cheerleading corps that got to go down there and, and uh, celebrate and be in their Thanksgiving parade. But they had a great time. And I want you to know, did they all they for, uh, didn't forget us. They remembered us while we were down there. They brought us some souvenirs. And this is one that they brought me. So I'm happy that they remembered me while they were there. Also got kind of a, a swanky t-shirt while they were there. But now me and my son is 18 years old. We got to hang out together, got to spend some quality time together. And yes, we had a great deal of turkey around our house. Sandwiches, turkey sandwiches. And it's amazing how many times you can eat turkey if you just keep slapping mayonnaise all over bread. You can get by with that. You can live on that. My name is Ronnie Pogue. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, it's an honor to stand before you today and uh, kind of finish out the last week in this series, No Fear November. So pastor shared three uh, weeks in that series. He covered, uh, number one, the fear of rejection. You know, the rejection uh, infection, if you remember that. Week two, he stepped up and he talked about the fear of failure the anxiety variety, I believe. And the last week in that series, the third week for him was uh, the fear of losing control. So let's be honest and let's face it. You know, every one of us struggle at times, either now or before, with some kind of fears in our life. And most of the time, we're really great at covering up a lot of those fears. You know, there can be people really close to us who never really know what we're going through. And you know, in the previous weeks, pastor looked around and we looked at the life of David and you know, the Israelites needed a king and they looked around and they almost missed out on a king because they had this fear of choosing the least likely candidate. You know, when Samuel was trying to anoint a king, he went to this and Samuel said this to take us back. He said, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. But he goes on and tells us a very great principle for all of us. The Lord does not look at the things people look at because people, we look at the outward appearance. And here's what I want you to get today. God looks at our heart. Everybody say my heart. God looks at our heart. And so a lot of times the appearance that we put out there, the appearance that people see, it's really not who we are or what we're going through. So I was really honored when pastor allowed me to get up and kind of be the closer for this series to come up and kind of seal the deal. And most of you know me pretty well. And you guys know that I'm pretty much all business all the time. I mean, pastor knows this. I'm pretty much all work and no play. Kind of like this. You know, I mean, it's, it's just the way it is. I mean, it's just kind of how I roll. But here, let me tell you something. You know, a lot of times we have a great time 
and seeing people's lives and hearts being changed around here at Faith Church. Let me tell you something. Even though I don't take myself all that seriously, let me tell you what I do take very seriously. That's that God gives me an opportunity every day to get up and try to find somebody and just try to help people that are hurting. And that's our prayer. That's what we wish for everybody here. So to take this last week of this series, yeah, thank you. To take this last week uh, to the next level, you know, the last thing he preached about was losing control, the fear of losing control. What I'm going to share with you today is really going next level. It's when your life is out of control. That's when you just ha- don't, hey, you've, it feels like everything, you've lost it, it's out of control. Uh, you heard these previous messages, Pastor, and I know he's challenged us, and you've probably been pushing real hard. You've been trying to uh, get through what you're working real hard to get through these fears, and nothing seems to work. It seems like no matter how hard you try, it feels like you're just being defeated. It feels like you're just being beaten. It feels like, you know, in, in the season we're in, it feels like in football terms, I titled this message, Fourth and Forever. Fourth and Forever. You know, it feels like, and the fears that we have, it feels like the game for some of us is almost over. Here's what I want you to hear today. Here's the one thing I want you to take with you. It's in your bulletin. You can fill it out. Here it is. You may be down, but you're not out. Everybody say that with me. You may be down, but you're not out. And let me tell you what. Let me identify a couple of things that may be holding you back, that may be getting in your way. There's a good chance that what you're struggling with is just what a lot of us struggle with. It's either your past fears or your current failures. You know, and the obstacle, the hill we've got to climb, the hill we've got to get over is you can't let these fears and these failures define you. We've got to find a way to let God define who we are. You know, I may not know where you are today, what your game looks like, what the field you're playing on looks like. You know, you may be starting out, things may be going well. It may be first and 10 in your life and you're just looking to move the ball and get that next first down or you may have suffered a penalty. Maybe you jumped off sides, you made a tough decision, it went wrong. Maybe it's second and 15 or maybe you've got a couple of strikes against you and man, you're facing a third and 25 or maybe even worse, man, you just can't seem to get anything right and it feels like it's fourth and forever. Now, here's the goal for me communicating here today. What I want you to leave with today is one word, and it's this. It's hope. I want you to walk out that door today with hope that no matter where you are, that you're going to find a way to believe that you have a heavenly father. We have a heavenly father that can take on what seems to be impossible and make it possible. So he's great in football terms at not just moving to change, but let me tell you what he's really great at in personal life, removing some change to get us to some freedom. You know, there's a lot of people, and I talk to a lot of people that come in and they're really struggling, they're really hurting. And you may say, well, Ronnie, you just don't know uh, what I'm going through. You just don't know where I'm at. And you're right, I absolutely don't. 
But I do know, I do know about a life that's been out of control. I have walked in the shoes where everything seemed impossible. You know, I grew up in a house and my mom, from the very first time I can remember, uh, you know, she always battled some mental issues. She always dealt with some depression, uh, some schizophrenia, some things that really 50 years ago, uh, people didn't really know much about. They really didn't know how to deal with it. They just heavily medicated people back in those days. And so from an early age, I grew up around a lot of that. I got to witness, you know, some tough things, some struggles my mom faced with a, a couple of breakdowns and trying to work through that. And so from an early age, man, I knew all about medications, pills, heavy medications. And so, you know, as the years went on and, you know, my life started going up and a lot of dreams, a lot of desires. And then, you know, I started to walk in a whole different direction, a direction of self-centeredness and selfishness. And man, I started facing some second and 15s, third and long. And, you know, through just a bunch of bad decisions, man, I looked around and it looked like fourth and forever for me. You know, it felt like I had lost, I did lose everything. It didn't feel like it. I lost everything. Everything I loved, everything I'd worked for was gone because of just being selfish. And I remember one night laying in my bed by myself, everything else was gone. And I just remembered about those medications, those pills. And I said, you know what? This life may be better for me and for a whole lot of people around me. You know, if I'm just not here anymore. And I knew all about what it would take, how to do it. And I made a decision. I thought tomorrow when I go over and see my mom for lunch, you know, I'm getting those pills. I've had enough. The game really feels over. So I did. The next day, I had a plan. And I felt like I should, it would just be better for everybody around me. So I went over for lunch, talked to my mom. and She was actually doing really well that day. And, but I wasn't. And it was fourth and forever. And uh, she went down to check on some laundry that she was doing, and that was my time. So I went into the kitchen, and I opened the door to that kitchen cabinet, and I saw those pills. And as I reached to get those pills, I laid my hands on them. And and just hang on to that. Hang on to that. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute, because here's where I want to go today. Man, I want you to look at something. I want you to see something. That's the greatest, most credible, most identified, most witnessed source of hope that has the power to bring possibility to impossible situations. And here's what I want you to know. Everybody here today, you will face crisis moments in this life. And how we react and how we respond define us. And those of you, you may be here and and you may have everything together, but those of you who may be struggling, what we're looking for today is a breakthrough. And there's a story I want to go through real quick. It's in the life of Jesus. It points us to a statement. It points us to a sentence that'll show us without a shadow of a doubt. It's going to prove that we've got a heavenly father that's really good at fourth and forevers. If you've got your Bible, you can turn to Matthew 19. If not, it'll be up on the screen in just a minute. But it starts out, Jesus is walking and teaching, and, you know, he meets this rich young man. 
uh, and he starts a conversation with him, figures out, you know, this guy's got some influence. He's wealthy. Uh, He's a, a young guy of authority. Seems like he's pretty much got everything together. But he asked him, teacher, what must I do to, for eternal life? And it lets Jesus know that he's not at peace, that he's got a fear. And he asked that question, how can I have eternal life? And Jesus begins a conversation with him. And through that conversation, he said, well, you know, if you've got everything pretty much together, just keep the, man, keep the commandments. And the young kid said, well, which ones? He said, well, you know, just uh, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal. Honor your father and your mother. And the young guy said, I've got all that. I've done all that since I was very young. And so you have to remember back to that first verse, God looks at the appearance just like we do, but he knows our hearts. So before he responds, he's checking out his heart. And he said, well, I'll tell you what. You do seem to have it pretty much all together and you seem to have uh, some wealth. So I'll tell you what let's do with that. Why don't you take all that you've accumulated, go and sell it and just give it away. Help those that are poor and that are needy. And then you come back and you can follow me. And verse 22 says that the young man goes away very sad because he had many possessions. And Jesus doesn't just stop there. He's really wanting to drive home a really big teaching and message for us today because he had his followers there. He's got his disciples there just like we come together and he's talking to a group just like this. And watch this in verse 23. Then Jesus said to his disciples, truly I tell you, it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And then he goes on to the next verse, really emphasizing his point. Again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And it's real easy to look at this. And I know you've seen this and you've read this a lot of times. And it's really easy to look at this and say, Jesus, he's just telling man, rich people can't go to heaven. You know, he's really easy to look at that and say, you know, it, it's, it's hard for wealthy people to make it. And he's just talking about riches. He's just talking about wealth. But I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think that's where he's going at all. I think there is much more to this teaching. It's much broader than that. Because Jesus is fixing to take on a major issue. Actually, it'll be the biggest fear that everyone seated here this morning will face. The reason I believe this, and he takes a different direction, you'll see it in the very next verse. Let's look. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished. Stop there. Because astonished doesn't mean that they're excited about this. Astonished in this means that they're confused by this. They're perplexed by this. And they're greatly concerned about this. Because you've got to know the culture and you've got to know the life that they're living in because they had been brought up and taught that the wealthy and the rich had the blessing of God. That the wealthy and the rich actually carried the favor of 
of a holy God. So this really messed the entire system up because Jesus is saying, no, the wealthy are not connected like you think. He says the total opposite. He says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and he forces disciples to ask the question, who then can be saved? And it's not just the disciples asking this question. It's the same question that the rich young ruler asked. It's the same question that baffled his own followers. And here's what's so important because Jesus knows this. Man, that over 2,000 years later, 2,000 years from the day he was telling them this, they'll still be talking about this story. We'll still be talking about this story. We'll be asking this very same question. Man, if the rich, they can't make it, and they're supposed to be connected and have the favor of God, and we as disciples have been following, we're not understanding this. Who then can be saved? And the answer is, very simply, no one. Absolutely no one. Left to our own ideas, our own efforts, our own creativity, no matter how hard we try, absolutely no one. For everybody here with a beating heart, we have all faced a fourth and forever. Because no matter how hard we work, how much we achieve, how much money we've got, how much money we give, we can't make our way to God. It's impossible. It's hopeless. And Jesus looks at his guys and he says this in verse 26. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, with man, this is impossible. And here's what I know here today. There's a lot of people here, man. You've got a great impossibility right in front of you. It's right in front of you. I mean, it could be your marriage. It could be your finances. It could be your career. It could be your kids. It could be your health. It could be almost anything. But the truth is this, that whatever impossibility you're facing is not the greatest impossibility you've ever faced. It's just not. And the fear, the deepest fear of all mankind deep in our hearts is being separated from a holy God and forever at stake. I hope that's the greatest fear in everyone's heart. Separated from a holy God. And the reality is that on our own, There's nothing we can do about it. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So (laughs) what shall we do? And here's where we go. Here's what you got to have. Here's what you need to apply to your life. And here's where Jesus is taking this story. And he's kind of got to get us to a place where we kind of understand it. So, you know, everybody at my age has got a back in the day story, right? You got to have a back in the day story. When you were really... When you tell it now, you're a whole lot better than you were back then. 
So when we were young, um, I see a couple of guys here that we were young in our early 20s, man. We were traveling around all over the South, sometimes all over the country, playing what we thought was kind of a a professional softball. Uh, It wasn't professional, but we just thought we were professionals. Uh, But we thought we were really big time, living out some kind of dream we chased way before. But here's what I remember about playing in my first big time tournament. We had a pretty good team and went up to Nashville to play in the Music City Classic. Big tournament, 60-something teams there all around. And, man, we got up there. We were just all full of it and really full of it. And so uh, we got up there, and we started playing. And we actually won our first game. So we were really, really thinking we were a lot better than we were. And then we heard about this team we were fixing to play uh, called Nelson Painting out of North Carolina. I said, man, these guys are so awesome. They're fourth, like ranked fourth in the world. And they're like, they're like, we don't care. You know, we're here, man. And so we were out there, we were throwing around, looked over and we, we, we saw these guys walk in. And I'm telling you, man, they look like a bodybuilding team with t-shirts and coaching shorts. Does anybody remember coaching shorts? Praise God they did away with coaching shorts. But these guys walk in and so, you know, we just, honestly, we're really already beat by just seeing them. We know in our heart, oh my gosh, what's fixing that? But anyway, I'm always the leadoff guy. And so I got up and I can't remember. I got on base and I got to second and I thought, man, we just need to get off to a good start. And so whoever was batting behind me got a base hit. And, you know, back then, back in that day, I was, I was actually pretty quick. And so I'm thinking about scoring. But this big guy's already come up and got the ball and my third base coach is trying to hold me up and I never checked up. I just kept rolling, man, and thank the Lord. The throw was just a little bit off, and the big guy reaches up and comes down and swipes the tag, and I slide in safe, and umpire holler safe, and I jumped up and holler, get you some of that, fat boy. <laughs> and the problem was he almost did, because as I was backtracking, he was coming, and thank God that the umpire intervened. The umpire stepped in and intervened. And as that game went on, we got up. We actually scored six or seven runs, but these guys actually got to come to bat. And man, they hit home run after home run after home run. And I think like after about the fifth inning, this is no joke, true story, the the score was about 44 to 19. And thankfully, at that time, the umpire steps back in with what's called a mercy rule. A mercy rule. Because after five innings, if you're getting beat by 15, 20, you have no hope of winning that game. But where I'm going with this, I want you to hear this, is that God has a mercy rule. When he says enough is enough. And you know, the one thing I want you to know is that his mercy rule is this. For God so loved you and he loved you And he loved you, sir. And he loved me. And he gives us a way out through this son, this guy called Jesus that we come in here and we talk about and we read about. And this mercy rule says this at the very end of verse 26. I'm going to read it again. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, with man, this is impossible. But here is the mercy rule. With God, all things are possible. No matter how big your fears are, 
no matter how desperate your situation are. There's a man that we talk about every time we come in here. We hear about him, and he walked this earth, and he lived a sinless life, and he had a three-year ministry, and he was arrested on trumped-up charges, and he was tried, he was convicted, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was hung on a tree, and he suffocated to his death. And then they ripped him down, they threw him in a barred tomb, and they covered the tomb up with a stone. And the game is over. For all of those that were there, for all of his friends and his followers, their greatest fears had just come true. He's not really the king. He's not really the Messiah. Everyone thought the game's over. There's no hope. And man, have you ever felt that way? At some point in your life, it just felt like there's no reason to go on. It felt like it's forth and forever. Man, one truth I want you to leave with today. Nothing is ever over for God. (laughs) Nothing is ever over for God. He actually holds eternity in his hands. He holds our destiny in his hands. But what about when it doesn't feel that way? What about when it feels like there's no hope? That's how they felt on the first day. Nothing happened. They were sad. They were discouraged. They were mourning. 24 hours passed. Nothing. The second day, same thing. Weeping, crying, disbelief. It's not really him. All those promises, all those miracles, it's not really him. Man, there's some people here today. You need to hear this. Because on the third day, something happened. And God breathed. And a stone was rolled away. And out of a tomb walked the Son of God. And get this, don't miss this. The greatest impossibility ever known to man just became a possibility, a way to overcome death. You see, it always seems impossible until it's done. Your life always seems impossible until you make a move. The fact is, if God can bring his son out of the grave, (laughs) he can bring your life back from the grave. If he can bring his son back to life, he can bring your hopes and your dreams back to life. Man, and here's the thing. You say, man, that that sounds great, but how, how do I know this? Well, I can tell you how you know this. Go back to that story. Man, I put my hand up and I grabbed those pills. And about that time, my mom walked up those stairs. And she said, son, what, what are you doing? And I just took my hand off and said, I'm nothing, Mom. She said, why would you be looking at those? She said, I know that life's been rough. Life's been tough. It has been for all of us. And she said, you know, I, I just want to thank you for being there for me when I had to have help. And she said this, she said, I know things look bad and things look impossible, but I know deep inside of you, you're my son. 
And in there, you've got a good heart. You know, and I walked away, I gave her a hug and I had no idea that about two weeks later, man, I would walk in and I would meet this beautiful young lady that would later become my wife and she would put up with a little more of my doings, but she knew somewhere in there, there was a good heart. And she would lead me into a little church and I would hear that same message that was preached today. And I had to make a decision. This tension just kept coming up. I mean, I'd done so much. I'd been so bad. This tension just wouldn't go away. And I just had to answer, can I give this old dirty heart to God? And will he accept it? And can I believe in my heart that anything is possible? We all have a decision to make. And it's really this. Is Jesus really alive? Because if I believe that, then anything is possible. Anything. And just to get absolutely real today, because I know what forth and forever looks, smells, and tastes like. Man, if your life feels out of control, if you've got fear and failures that are dominating, controlling your life, they sure did mine. I was so ready to give up. And somebody asked me one time, well, if it's so bad, why not give Jesus a try? Why would you not try him? Check him out. See if he's real. So to finish this series out real quick, I just want to go back to the very start. To overcome the fears with a fear. Proverbs 1 and 7 says this. The fear of the Lord is the very beginning of knowledge. Man, I want to give you something so simple just to take that back. See, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of God's really great at beginnings because what he does in the beginning, he creates. You know, the word says in the beginning, he created the heavens and the earth. In our lives, in our beginning, he created you and me. And in there, he created us in his image. And in there somewhere, man, there's a good heart. And this fear here, It's not of, I can't live up to what God's expecting me. It is a reverent submission to really his destiny for every one of us. So if we find the starting point and we go back here and we say this is true knowledge, it says, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what do the wise do? What are the people who really want to make a difference and make a change? We embrace wisdom and instruction. If I can tell you anything, man, surround yourself with people who will motivate you, challenge you, push you. Man, because when God really, truly has your heart, everything changes. He creates a brand new heart with a brand new destiny, a brand new vision. And you're no longer full of fear. You're filled with with love and you say man I've been saved for 30, 40, 50 years I don't need a salvation message so what if we've kind of turned into 
that rich young ruler? What if we really think, man, I've, I've really got this together. Then why not do this and accept this challenge? Go out with what you got and give it away. Give it away to those that are needy. Give it away to those that are close to you in your circle of influence, your friends, your family. Why not take a new step and be disciplined to do what God's called us to do? Man, a lot of people ask me a lot of times, you know, and I just can't help it, but they want to know why I'm just like pumped up and happy all the time. It's because I don't really have a choice. Because, man, I've seen impossible. (laughs) And I know with him all things are possible. I don't have a choice. He gives me another day to get up and try to make a difference. Man, I want you to leave here with hope. I want you to know that God loves you. And I just feel like right now to close this thing down, the best thing I can do is to pray for you and to pray over you. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, Father, in the name of your dear son, Jesus, the one who changes everything, the one who walked out of a grave and made the impossible possible. Father, we give our hearts and our lives to you. And you may be here, and you maybe have never taken that step. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, that God raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. Right now, is there anyone here? Just lift a hand. If you'd like to make that decision right here, right now, today, today. And for all of those around this building, if you're hurting and your life seems out of control, out of control. There's people close to you. You want to stand in the gap for you. Their lives are out of control. I want to pray for you. If you just slide your hand up, lift your hand. All over this building. All over this building. Father, we love you. God, we are so thankful for what you've done for us. Thank you for your death, your resurrection, God, what you've done. So, Father, we honor you today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to come in and worship you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank you so much for being here with us today.